Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Mitz. We are back behind the mic, getting ready to give you guys updates on everything that has happened in Kansas. Well, mainly Kansas basketball, because that's what the focus of today's episode is going to be. That's where most of the action has been happening. Um, We will be going over kind of all of the transfer portal stuff once it's officially finished uh, next week. You know, uh, well, or I should say most of it is officially finished, both football and basketball. Uh, we do have a guest coming on again. I don't want to spoil it because if I do, it's probably not going to happen. That's just the superstitious world that we live in. So, but to help me to cover the stuff that has happened this so far and including a little bit of talk about what we think might be happening later this week, it is deputy editor over at Blue Wings Rising, Kyle Davis, my sometimes or most of the time co-host here on the podcast. Kyle, how are you doing today? It's a great title. I'm going to have to add that to my business card. Um, I'm what, good. Has the, anything the most of the time the, the co-host? <laughs> yeah, the, the sometimes almost occasionally gets on here, Georgia. Uh, yeah, I'm good. Is there is there anything to talk about since last time we did? I don't know if there's been I any mean, news. I mean, just a couple, you know, low-level rec- or transfers, you know, coming to the, to the team. Um, no, so Texas transfer Arterio Morris, uh, he, he went ahead and uh, committed to the team. And then not long after that, we had uh, Hunter Dickinson, the white whale, the big guy that everybody was hoping to get, uh, come to the team, announce it in such a way. He actually flew, or actually while Mbako, uh, who is someone that we'll talk about here in just a minute, but, you know, as Mbako was here on campus visiting, uh, you know, Bill Self actually got a note that he needed to go see Hunter Dickinson. So, um you know, and that was for the announcement video where he ended up telling Bill Self that he was coming to Kansas. So, obviously, those are the kind of calls that you want to get, right? Like, which are going to be good news. But, uh, you know, from everything that I've heard, they were very optimistic about getting Hunter Dickinson pretty much the whole time. Um, I've heard there was a last-minute kind of offer that may or may not have been able to actually happen that was getting evaluated, which delayed his his decision, you know, a couple extra days. But, Kansas fans are happy. Obviously, I mean, I think, I think the biggest thing is looking at what this team is going to be like next. But 
anything from the whole recruitment of both of those players and of course the the recruitment of the upcoming you know decision coming from Mbako um that really jumps out to you like what what have you noticed from the way that they've approached these recruitments oh man i have a lot of thoughts um it is tough because it's so here's where i'll start it's it's weird um to see this kind of overhaul we've not seen an overhaul like this in the off season in one singular off season like we're seeing right now um i don't think that's necessarily the new norm. I don't think Bill Self's going to turn into Kentucky where it's eight new guys every single year. I think it just happened to be this way. Um, it's also just interesting. Is I mean, Hunter Dickinson, the reason why this got so much attention is because there had never been that high profile of a player in you know, the transfer portal. And I think even if, you know, we're recording it on Wednesday evening, like we just saw, uh, I, I've seen now multiple people so the trade deadline ends tomorrow, by the way, or the transfer portal entry deadline is tomorrow. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's basically, basically a trade deadline, trade deadline at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we just saw Julian Phillips, who was an all freshman, uh, all fresh, all SEC freshman player out of Tennessee, just go in. Um, yeah. Kamara out of Creighton just went in. Like, there's some high profile. So this is just, this is new and expanded territory. So I think there's a part of me as a fan who is kind of sad to see such overhaul. And and only have three, you know, like we, we are used to and part of the fun of college basketball is the is watching these players grow and develop and mature over three and four years. And, you know, we just got done with the Jalen Wilsons and the Oshai's in the world. And now, like everyone from the last year or two is basically gone, except for KJ and Ernest and you know, Duan's been here a little bit longer, um, which is where to say it's, it's it, there's a weird feeling that it's kind of sad to see here. But I also don't think it's the norm. I also think it was a. You know, this is this was the exception, not the rule. Like, there's not going to be one a player like Hunter Dickinson in the portal all the time. Even while there's more and more good players like Caleb Love and them transferring, like an All American seven foot one guy like that is just not going to happen very often. You're also not going to find, you know, very often where if it happens again, you have both the need and the interest, and the you know it just shakes out that way. So I understand why Bill Self has completely overhauled the roster. I think there was some of, you know, there's some disappointment from some of the guys who just didn't develop as much as we thought, whether injuries or otherwise, you have this opportunity. You Hunter Dickinson's one of the few players that you bend over backwards to try and get. It's just weird. It's just different, but I also don't think that's necessarily um, the norm, but if you're looking to, you know, on paper, give yourself a chance to really succeed next year, what bill has done so far, not only just with uh, re- transfers, but also with like, recruiting and Marcus Adams getting him to reclassify like oh Marco like that's just it's a heck of a roster uh on there and I am really glad and I will get into the fit of Hunter Dickinson later I think you know Ernest Uday was one of the very important ones that I think it's going to be pretty key that he sticks around too so it's just it's strange it's a new world and I guess that's one of the things so I mentioned this on the Twitter account credit to Bill Self where it's once again he is willing to adapt to the landscape and he's not one of those that's going to put dig in his heels and say that's not how we do things we don't give into the transfer portal all that like he watches how the landscape changes and he adapts how he needs and he stays relevant and i think there is something it's weird we haven't seen it yet but also there's that's why he is considered the best coach in college basketball right now yeah i mean and and you know we also talked about this in the last one that i think part of this big upheaval is that we didn't see the normal changes that you would expect to see 
after the championship team. Like normally you expect to see two or three guys transfer because they look for something better. And I mean, that's been the norm around a lot of different programs anyway, where, you know, even before the whole transfer portal expanded the way that it did is you would have, you know, low level, or I should say lower, lower classmen. So like freshmen and sophomores that didn't get the kind of run that they thought that had got recruited over that don't think that they have a path forward. They look to find somewhere that they can go. Um, where they can actually get the run that they want. And we didn't see any of that. Like literally every single person that left after the championship team had to leave. They had no more eligibility left. Like there was, or they were declaring early for the NBA and we knew they were going to the NBA, like, like Ochai. Like, so this is, you know, this is one of those things where you had an abnormally low amount of turnover last time. And so this year, and, and I think that actually actively hurt a lot of the guys that were here because you had, you know, both Yesifu and Pettiford vying for those backup point guard minutes. You didn't really get a chance to see either one of them in extended minutes because they both were trying to get minutes. You saw all kinds of, you know, I mean, you, you saw MJ Rice have to fight for minutes with a bunch of the other guys that kind of stuck around. Kyle Cuff sticking around uh, for, you know, for as long as he did, like, it was difficult for him, not only because of injuries, but also because there were so many other players that were there fighting for the same type of minutes that he would have wanted. So, you know, that, that unfortunately didn't give anybody a really good shot to establish themselves as a guy to take over. So when Bill Self went looking, you know, to try to fill out the roster, and there was a lot of interest that Kansas had in people wanting to come to Kansas – if you have that opportunity to upgrade the roster, you're going to do it, especially since all the guys that are coming, they're not all, you know, one and done or two and done. Um, I, I will say that I think that the the entire process and the way, like the the entire environment around building a, a roster these days is completely different. You're used to seeing, you know, you would get guys for two or three years and then you would potentially bring in a grad transfer who's here for a year to, you know, provide that experience element. Um I still think that a lot of the more successful teams are going to do it that way because you have to find guys, you know, you have to bring in guys and allow and allow them to kind of develop in your system. We've seen how, um, I guess, boom or bust, you know, the Kentucky uh, approach has been where you bring in a ton of talent expecting only have them for a year or so, and you have to relearn how to do things. The way that Bill Self does stuff, he, I mean, he, he doesn't mind teaching really special players how to do stuff on a very abbreviated timeline, but he is much more comfortable when he has at least one or two guys that have been there and are playing significant minutes. And I think the, the, the situation for this year was extremely unique. You know, you've got a ton of minutes to give away. You basically have probably the best uh, point guard in all of college basketball. At least I would put Dewan Harris in terms of point guard play, you know, being able to distribute, being able to get other people involved and running the actual offense of the team. I don't know that you can put anybody above Dewan Harris. There might be some people that are pretty close or right there with him. But um, so having that available and a bunch of guys that can now take advantage of that, um, you know, Hunter Dickinson, I don't know how many lobs we're going to see from, you know, Dewan Harris, and Hunter Dickinson this year, but I can imagine it's going to be a ton. Um, and so, you know, this is, I, I think it's, as you said, a very unique circumstance that we're seeing all of this change, but it wasn't just this year that really went into it. It was, I think, the the lack of movement last year, which led to a bunch of guys that didn't get to do what they wanted to do here, which then led to everybody leaving to go find better stuff and build stuff significantly upgrading the roster in, you know, the way that you can now with it with the transfer portal. And and let's be clear here, some of those same problems about 
um, fighting for minutes in, in a log jam is going to happen this year. Oh yeah, for you're, sure. You're just bank, you're just banking on that log jam is from one people with more eligibility, they're younger and more talent. So like the you know like actually it's interesting and I'm I'm working on a piece now. I won't give it all away, but because I keep seeing you know there's two open roster spots as of now. One might be filled by the end of the week. There's scholarship spots. Everyone's like, go get um, Grant Nelson from North Dakota State or go get Ron Holland. Here's the problem. There is not enough shots to go around as is. Um, and you're at the point now where someone's going to have to take a diminished role from what they think. Because, and I'll break it down. It's interesting. KU only basically, um, uh, I'll, I'll break it down in this piece, but basically, you know, KU takes 60 shots a game. They've averaged 60 shots, 59 shots for the last three years consistently. Right now, only 16 of those shots are back between Juan, KJ, and Ernest. So not that many. And last year you had Jalen Wilson taking 16 shots a, uh, a game. Grady uh, took 11. Actually, it surprised me. Kevin McCuller averaged eight shots a game. He, those were your top three. But those get added up quickly. Hunter Dickinson is a high-usage guy. Now, actually, surprisingly, because he's so efficient, he only took 13 shots a game his last two years and was averaging close to 20 points. But, like, it, after everything you went through, that dude's not giving up his shots. He's taking 13 shots a game in Kansas. He's probably nor, not going to take Jalen Wilson. Nor should 13. he give up his shot. Nor should he, right. And, and he's not going to take Jalen Wilson 16 or 17, but he's going to get his. Then you have uh, Nick, Ta- uh, Nick Timberlake. When he was at Towson, he also took 13 shots. That's not happening. He's probably going to take six or seven. He'll be in the Dwan range. You got to figure out Juan. You still he's going to be. You mentioned this. He's going to be more pass heavy than ever, but he still needs to try and hunt. Like I think Bill's still going to press him. I think you got to pencil him for six or seven shots a game. KJ, I think he's going to be around there. You would love for Ernest to get a little bit more, and I'll explain when we talk about Hunter Dickinson's game. Like he needs to probably be in the three or four range. But then you've got these five-star freshmen coming in. You've got El Marco Jackson. You've got Marcus Adams, who just scored 44 points and was the all-star of this of his, of this um, uh, like AAU type tournament that he played in last weekend. And then if you do get Mackenzie Mbako, who is again a, a top 10 recruit, you all of a sudden going to tell him that he's not going to get five shots a game because there's no one else. So what I did is basically if you add all of them up, and then you take Arturio Morris just taking the four shots a game he had at Texas. Don't even count in Chris Johnson and uh, Jamar McDowell. You're at your 60 shots that you already had from last year. There's nowhere else to get it. So if you you go get like one you, Grant, someone like Grant Nelson from North Dakota State doesn't want to come here. If he looks across all of this and be like, I'm not. Where am I getting 10 shots a game? I can't find that. And do you really want to sit, El Marco Jackson or someone else on the bench? I I would like. It, it seems like if you're going to use that last spot, you go after kind of a glue guy or someone young who's maybe raw, who right. is going to to get a lot better in practice and whatnot. But so this this is a roster that's much, much better on paper. And I, I even point this out in the piece. Like if you look at this year's, like the projected roster and shot breakdown for this year compared to last year, you take that all day. Like you take El Marco Jackson and Mackenzie Mbako taking five or six shots a game versus Joseph Yesifu and, and you know, uh, Bobby Pettiford didn't even take that. But it's just it's one of those things where it's like who we need to be I think Hunter Dickinson kind of raised the ceiling of like creating the super team. There's not gonna be like I don't expect outside of maybe Mbako for the last roster spot to be this huge get. And that's okay because there's already gonna be battles. Like uh, Chris Johnson and Jamari McDowell, who are both four star recruits coming in, freshmen, they're probably not gonna see a lot of floor time, especially after the first of the year, unless injuries happen. Um so it's just interesting how that works because 
there's going to be plenty of talent to go around. Now that makes you super deep, which is great because injuries happen and, and limiting minutes and whatnot, but there's still going to be plenty of battles. I think the, the thing that Bill Self did was saying, if he's going to have battles of uncertainty, take it instead of taking it with Joseph Yesifu and Bobby Pettiford, who he's seen for two years and knows what they are for the most part. Let's take it with guys who have more eligibility, like a, you know, Marcus Adams or, and McKenzie and Baco, who also have more time and have a higher ceiling. So that's, you know, you t- you're going to have the same problem either way, but you take it with this roster over last year's. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and, and honestly, uh, I, I believe that the scholarship situation, they only have one left because they have reduced, or they, they had a penalty where they reduced the number of scholarships. So I believe that Mbako, if he comes, would be the final scholarship. Because there was talk about Kyle Cuff or Chris Johnson or somebody having to leave in order for there to be room for Mbako. But still, like, the point is, when Mbako comes, it's going to be difficult to find shots for him to have a gigantic role as well. And, you know, I, it feels like we talk about this every single year that, you know, it's like, man, this roster is stacked. Where are you going to, where are you going to be able to find minutes for people and find shots for people and everything? And unfortunately, like, I think this is even more so than before. So like, I don't know what they're going to be able to do or how they're going to be able to handle this, but it's, it's a, it's a good problem to have, but unfortunately it is a problem to have that they have to figure out how they're going to you know, and, and, and to your point, if they did bring in somebody, it's going to be somebody who would get a fit at the end of the bench that you think would develop into next year. Like people that you think would be much better equipped for not right now, because they have way too many guys right now that are going to be clamoring for minutes that are going to have defined roles. And I mean, they've pretty much filled up every one of the, the normal roles that you think someone has to have uh, for this particular team. So I, I will be very interested to see how they're able to bring it all together um, but you know, like you said, like recruiting wise, assuming that they get Mbako, like that seems to be it in terms of guys that are going to have an effect on this year coming up. Um, but yeah, it should be, it should be more balanced this year, at least. I mean, you know, last year, Wilson, Grady and Kevin took half of the shots. And then after the starting five, actually, well, I guess, yeah, actually the starting five, no one else took more than four a game, which was Yesifu. And then you're basically your six, seven, eight, nine guys in the most shots taken were Yesifu, MJ Rice, Bobby Pettiford, and Zach Clements. So if you swap that out and say your number, uh, you know, your number six through nine is going to be Marcus Adams, McKenzie Mbako, Ernest Uday, and maybe Arterio Morris, that's a, and I think it's going to be more balanced. I don't think it, because right now it's basically starters all shot at least seven shots a game. And then it was, Yes, we were at 4.2, MJ Rice at 2.1. So your sixth guy only took two shots a game. I don't see that happening. I see oh, no, the, the top eight being more balanced. Of You're not going to have 16 at the top. Now you'll have 13 with Dickinson. Everyone else, I think it's in the probably the the five to nine shots a game for like a solid five or six people, especially earlier in the year until they can figure out the – Yeah, I was going to say, I think, I think you'll probably have about three or four people that will get, you know, 10, 10 to 13, probably more towards the 10. Um just because of the way that, you know, Bill Self plays and the way that he has them play, they have, you know, guys that they go to as the main options. But part like a big portion of why it was so bad last year was because when guys came off the bench, they weren't shooting well. They weren't doing things well. Kansas went super cold, you know, from the field quite often last year. And so those numbers were naturally depressed. Like guys weren't taking shots because they weren't making shots. And so they were trying to get it to people that would make shots. Um, you know, unfortunately, that depressed a lot of what the guys were able to do and a lot of the different options that were available. And, 
you know, this year, I think every single person that's being brought in has shooting ability, has, you know, it's a guy that you expect to score in some capacity, even if it's not the high volume that you want from guys like Dickinson. All right. So let's go ahead, or I do want to talk about the fit of Dickinson and Arturo Morris. Um, But before we do that, um, you know, have to talk about the fit of our awesome sponsor here on the podcast. That is Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere with an absolute great fit. Awesome vintage college logos. They have a ton of different schools and they keep adding new stuff all the time. Uh, they actually are just now or this weekend coming up. They're going to be refreshing a bunch of the Midwest schools that are in the Big Ten. Um, they did a refresh for Kansas a little while back. It was absolutely fantastic, but they have a ton of stuff from a ton of different schools, whether it is Kansas or any of the other schools that you that you happen to follow or happen to just like their logos for. I have a ton of shirts for teams that I have absolutely no interest in just because the shirt looks so dang cool. So head on over to homefieldapparel.com. Use promo code CHALK12. Get 15% off your entire first order and all orders over $100, I believe, still get free shipping at this point. But homefieldapparel.com, promo code CHALK12. Get 15% off that entire first order. All right, Kyle. Um, talking about the fit for these guys, right? Because Arterio Morris... Um, you know, he was kind of a role player at Texas, but you expect him to be able to step into somewhat of a role here in Kansas. Um, how how much do you think that role is actually going to be like what he did at Texas? And how much do you think it's going to be a step forward? He is kind of a wild card at this point. I'm not sure because there are so many. Um, the good thing is, is that what Kansas does not lack is ball handlers and fast guards who the, the good thing, I think the thing that you saw most at uh, Texas is his ability to run and transition and finish at the rim. And, you know, he was, he wasn't a great three point shooter. He didn't take a ton of them either. Um, but, you know, I think he was kind of a, a high energy, you know, run and transition, which is good. I, I more personally, <clears throat> interested to see how a Marco Jackson looks as that like second ball handler next to, to Juan Harris. But I think Arterio Morris can also fit that. And it could be even something where beginning of the year, he kind of fills that kind of number two spot. If, if a Marco needs a little more time to get going, but yeah, I don't, our Morris is one of those players that I think probably I would not expect him to now um, because there's so much talent and competition to just now be like an all big 12 player in year one at Kansas. I think he's, more down the road. Um, there's also, I mean, we have to mention there is, he is uh, in the middle of a uh, uh, legal uh, issue as well. So, you know, he's, he's got a, a class A misdemeanor domestic violence charge uh, that I think is, is coming to a head this summer. So we'll see what happens with that because as we've seen with, I would imagine that if, if, Kansas took him. They've kind of done their due diligence, but it's one of those things where if he were to miss a bunch of time earlier in the early in the year in those practices, and we saw what happened to MJ Rice when he had injuries early in the season that were kind of detrimental time, where that that could be a big uh, focus. But the, the I, I definitely think out of high school, Morris's you know uh, talent and skill and kind of ranking were much higher than what he showed at Texas. I think we will probably get more out of him than we saw at Texas, but this is one of those things where I think what's interesting and fun and exciting to think about is that all of the different basically chess pieces that Bill Self now has at his disposal, because you have so many ball handlers, 
you know, even with the, the bigs and the wings like he's there's so many different combinations here. It's kind of like thinking of, uh, you know, for our NFL fan crossovers, like Andy Reid with Travis Kelsey and, you know, a great back. And when, you know, Tyrell, uh, uh, I almost said Tyrell Reid, which would have been interesting in Andy Reid's system, but more Tyreek Hill uh, and, and that whole legion of Zoom. Like there's just so many pieces for Bill Self to put together. And I'm fascinated to see, Morris is one of those that I don't really know exactly where he fits yet, but I would not expect him to be, be averaging 12 points a game or anything, but I think he could be a reliable secondary ball handler, good minutes off the bench um, who can make some exciting plays and get out in transition. Yeah. I mean, Morris, uh, you know, reads to me as a guy that has a lot of potential. He could be that kind of three and D role if that's what Kansas needs him for, for this year. But you know, he is the type of player that got recruited over at Texas, didn't get an opportunity to really show what he wanted to do, but he's going to be in a good position here at Kansas to to have that opportunity sooner rather than later. Like, you're looking at guys like Dewan Harris, who's, you know, getting ready to go into his last year. Like, there's going to be opportunities for Morris, especially if he's able to make those small steps. And, you know, there is that, like, there is that, that, uh, that legal case that's kind of hanging over his head. So, from what I understand, there were at least a couple schools that kind of shied away, you know, kind of given everything that going on at Texas and didn't want to deal with any potential legal complications. But, you know, as many people have pointed out, you know, if if Bill Self brought him in and they decided to bring him in, um, Kansas has done their due diligence. They don't just get blindsided by a lot of this stuff, you know, especially from people that have a known issue beforehand. So I fully expect that they're you know, they know what the expectations are. They know what the contingencies are and what they're what they're looking at there. So I'm not necessarily worried about that. But you're right that, like, as it stands right now, I don't know if there's a lot of room for Morris to become a key guy. But he he could have a key role in making sure that Kansas is able to fight through some of the things that they're going to have to deal with. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to what Morris brings. I do think that, at least for this season, his role is going to be fairly similar to what he had at Texas just because there's so many talented guys there's so many guys vying for all of that room, but you know, he could like, we have seen several freshmen who, you know, have had a little bit of struggles at, at the very beginning. And so he could step in and take some of those minutes that we expect to go to freshmen if those guys struggle. So I'll be very interested to see, obviously the guy that everybody wants to hear us talk about is Hunter Dickinson. Um, you know, he is clearly going to be the alpha of the team in terms of scoring. Um, you know, he is that kind of big man that Bill Self has always wanted to have and always tries to have, um, you know, he he may not go up and block shots nearly as much um, as a guy like, you know, I, uh, like Withy or, uh, you know, Embiid or any of those guys that are known for just blocking like crazy. T-Rob is, is another guy that comes to mind. Um, but he has the ability to score. And as you mentioned, he is extremely efficient. Um, you know, what is it? That about Dickinson or what else is there about Dickinson that you think is going to be something that Kansas can really take advantage of coming up this season? Well, it, it's he, so, it, cause I think everyone also, when they talk about through, they run through his stat lines, they, they mentioned like the 41% shooting from three last year. And it should be, it sh- it should be, there should be a kind of an asterisk there that it was on less than two attempts a game. But the other part of that is the threats there. Right. You have to at least consider like that's something when you had David McCormick or Doak or whoever else kind of at that five spot is that the whole top of the key, um, you know, trailing big man, you know, handed up like there was no threat there at all. Now there's a threat. Now it's kind of like Joel Embiid with the Sixers now, like if he's hanging out of the perimeter the whole time, like 
that's bad. Like you want him down in the post and going to work. And he has a, a myriad uh, number of post moves to, to get you off of both shoulders. He is a decent free throw shooter, but it, I think it does at least that the three point shooting gives you enough. Um, you have to be honest. You can't sag off of him like you could with KJ even or David or something like that. Hey, right. Kansas has not really had a, Kansas has not had a big man that you've had to respect at all three levels in quite a while. And I'm trying to think of even who that next, that last one would be. Honestly, I don't know who I, it was because Embiid wasn't like that when he was here. You know, Withy wasn't like that when he was here. But I think the other thing too is that they have had guys who have been so dominant down in the paint that you then get right. that like, multi-tiered. Here though, like Dickinson is a guy that can play at all three levels. And I obviously that's where the game is trending to. Um, but you know, he, he can be that guy down low to really affect shots, to do a lot of those sorts of things, and he can take it out on the perimeter. Kind of like what you said, you know, last year you saw Uday and, and KJ, and even the year before with McCormick, like you saw guys, when they caught it out on the post, they would start to stag. They would cheat inside a little bit to get ready in case he tried to drive it, you know, or in case he was trying to pass it or something to get a little bit better vision there. Um, you can't really do that with Dickinson. You give him space, he is liable to pull up and shoot it. And and he'll make it roughly, you know, four out of four out of every ten times. And, and the great thing then is that that spreads out the defense to where you, when you have Juan Harris, who is good of a of a slasher and disher as he is, you've got Timberlake, who's going to need some space, you know, to knock down a shot, kind of in that Grady Dick mold. Um, some of these, you know, athletic wings that we're bringing in, and even like the Marco Jacksons, who are really good at getting to the rim. It helps not just to have a seven footer standing on the block who's not moving, whose guy is just going to be waiting for him. If we the, the spacing here will be really interesting, and I think a value to those guards too. Not only oh, that yeah, he can sure. shoot it there, but just from a decoy standpoint as well. Um, but yeah, and I think you know the defense leaves a little bit to de- be desired. I'm sure Bill Self, that's the thing that he's going to work at and tell him that if you know that he's he's going to have to kind of step it up defensively. But you've seen. You've seen uh, players get – I mean, look at Grady and, and the way that he improved on defense. And even just – even if they're not naturally great defenders, the hustle and just the will to kind of go there will, will be good. I think um, it'll be interesting here. He's he's a great rebounder. He's a, he's a decent offensive rebounder, a better defensive rebounder. So I'm wondering if, you know, KJ was, was a great offensive rebounder last year. I think that could be an interesting – a lot of people are talking about how Bill can kind of bring back his high-low game with KJ and – um with hunter that's a possibility and also it seems one of those things where kj can use his athleticism and really crash those offensive boards especially if dickinson's spreading the defense out and even and and hunter we just need go grab eight defensive rebounds again uh and really be that rim protector even if he's not a great shot blocker he at least is an imposing long presence to to make people think twice when they go in there but i also think it's interesting he's the reason why I was so adamant that you have to keep Ernest today, and I was bummed that Zuby left too. Well, and and I think you, I understand completely why he did. But the reason why you want Ernest today in there is because Hunter Dickinson can play more. And oftentimes, if you look at his game logs from last year, he was playing thirty eight, forty one, thirty five minutes a game. What you want out of him, and sometimes he he's never averaged more than thirty two minutes a game for a season. Some of that's foul trouble. Some of it's just others. I think in a perfect situation, you want him playing 30 minutes a game, and then you get Ernest Uday, who his strength is being a high motor 
high energy guy on both ends of the court for 10 minutes a game, you just tell Ernest, oh, yeah. you're just going to go nuts. Uh, you're going to, you're going to go for alley-oops. You're going to just block shots. You're going to just give us all of the energy you have for 10 to 12 minutes a game. And that's going to be big. You don't want to wear Dickinson out. You don't want to have to have to stretch them. And then it's one of those things where it's an amazing luxury to have to where Dickinson goes to the bench defense thinks they're going to take a break and then you have Ernest who's just going to outwork you and just go nuts and smile while doing it and so that's why I thought he was so I think that can be a really good um one-two combo at the five as as a starter and first guy off the bench because while Dickinson can do it I don't think you want him playing 36 minutes a day uh I think you want him to be able to be at his best at 28 to 30 minutes. And then you have Ernest in there to give him breaks and know that you're not really going to slow down at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and that's what we kind of saw, right. When, when Adams was being backed up by Uday is that Uday would come in and he would go just as high motor as Adams was, but he's a much bigger guy. Like it's a completely different. And you would see teams at, at the beginning of the season would adjust to bring in a bigger guy. who's maybe a little bit slower that, you know, could handle the Uday size. Um, once Uday got his footwork figured out and figured out how he was supposed to, you know, be doing things and really taking advantage of that, um, it was a lot harder for teams to really plan for when he came in. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think he's, the, like you said, the perfect change of pace, going to be very much so like the the Kevin Young high energy, you know, guy that comes in for 10 to 12 minutes a game to, to really kind of just kickstart the offense and what they're doing there. So, but... Like you said, it's a very good problem to have, right? To have way too many guys that are good and you could see get tons of minutes and have to figure out how to get them all on the court. So, um, you know, just wanted to wrap up really quick here with, you know, kind of just some some general thoughts. It's something that, that kind of hit me. And, um, you know, just a month ago, we were talking about, you know, what's going on with Bill Self. We haven't seen him in quite a while, like, the, or maybe it's a little bit more than a month ago. But, like, there were rumors flying that maybe he could be retiring. Um, like, there was a ton of panic, right, around the Kansas Jayhawk fandom. And then he comes back for the, for the, uh, you know, for the banquet. And immediately you see the recruiting that he's able to do the, the guys that he's able to bring in to go from where they were, right. The roster that they had and all of the holes that they had to now be in a position where I legitimately do not know how we are going to get everybody on the court that should, ha- that should see time on the court. It's just an absolutely phenomenal job by Bill Self, the way that he recruits, the way that he builds teams, the way that he can see all of this stuff and bring it all together. And, of course, we are recording this before Mbako decides where he's going. My expectation, based off everything that I'm hearing, is that he is going to announce on Friday. Um, and I would be sh- extremely shocked at this point if he did not have it announced for Kansas. So, um, again, not a guarantee, but... There's a lot of really, really uh, people that are in the know that are feeling really good about what Kansas is doing there and and bringing him in. So you look at what Bill Self has done, the way that he has got this program set up, and you know we we used to always talk about like who would be the guy that you would want to take over if Bill Self ever retired. Um, you know, as as painful as some of those conversations might have been in just the last couple months here, I don't think we have to worry about that because Bill Self looks fired up the way he's talking, the way that he's meeting with guys, and the way that he is performing on the recruiting trail tells me that Kansas is in really good hands for a really long time. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, you know, shout out, I, I don't know who had it first, but I did see that uh, our guy Mike Vernon mentioned this, that Kansas, you know, they were able to take a summer trip every four years. That's coming up this year. They're going to be going to Puerto Rico. Uh, I think that's 
huge with such the roster turnover to get extra practice time, to get games in, to exhibitions, to get these guys to start to gel together. Because that's that's the thing we came in saying after last year um, when when you lost uh, Christian, and you lost Ochai, and you lost David, Remy, you're saying these guys are going to need some time. It might be rough early on for them to start gelling together and whatnot. I think it's even more so this this year. Uh, but that, I think, Puerto Rico trip is going to be a absolute blessing because they're going to get a chance to to do it. And the great thing about Mbako, um, you know, obviously, you know, he's a five-star top 10 recruit. He was at Duke. He was a McDonald's All-American. One of his best assets is that he can shoot from beyond the arc. So you have another guy who can stretch it. And if you think of, uh, you know, if you basically have a, a lineup where your two big guys are Mbako and Dickinson who can both hit it from three and you can spread yeah, that out, like that's, that's dangerous. And he's also obviously crazy athletic and, and all of that. So yeah, you're right. It does seem like from a Bill Stealth standpoint, just to kind of to echo that, like it seems like he is motivated and willing. And I think that time off made him realize that he doesn't want to stop yet. You know, like he was always one of those guys who never said he wanted to, you know, go too long and, and, you know, wouldn't be able to enjoy his time off with a stressful gig. But I think sitting at home under doctor's orders, not being able to do much, got him to realize that now this isn't the time yet. Yeah, he, he still loves what he's doing. And obviously Kansas fans love to have him behind the helm. Um, you know, I, I will say, I think it's just amazing to see, you know, the, the one question for Bill Self had always been like, you know, how good of a recruiter was he, you know, in terms of, because you know, you look for potential holes and, you know, not as good of a recruiter as Calipari and, you know, you know, Duke was always pulling in guys with Coach K. And I think everybody knows how good of an on-court during the game coach that he is and how good he is at being able to build a staff that can develop guys. Um, you know, and, and, and he'll be the first one to tell you that, you know, he doesn't develop the guys like the staff as a whole develops the guys. But being able to build a staff, that is a that is a, a, a skill that you have to have. But this type of recruiting both what Bill Self himself has done and then the rest of his staff as well, um, they have built a monster to be able to recruit pretty much however they want at this point. It is absolutely ridiculous when, you know, um, there's still a whole bunch of things to happen. Uh, you know, there will be the, the NCAA case will finally get a resolution this summer from what I understand. Um, there's obviously still a lot of potential movement around uh, for a bunch of different teams and a bunch of different players. But, you know, Kansas is in a really good spot and Kansas fans should be extremely happy with where the basketball program is going. So I think that's going to do it for us today, though. Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcast, where it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast. You can subscribe. Get every episode as soon as it comes out. If you can give us a rating and a review, five stars, nice comments, would be absolutely fantastic. But if for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at rockchalkpod. We are part of the 1012 Podcast Network covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference, including all the ones that are coming in. So make sure you go over to 1012network.com to get links to all the great shows that we have. But that's going to do it for us today. Once again, Kyle, thank you so much for joining me. Make sure you visit our sponsors, Home Field Apparel. Um, absolutely fantastic stuff that they do. But thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Thank you.